uh, trying new software, folks. Please, please bear with me. <laughs> uh, righty. let's uh, kick it off with the intro. You are now listening to Double Jump Radio. G'day everyone and welcome to episode 71 of Double Jumper Radio, the official podcast of doublejump.co. I'm your host Abia and I'm joined once again by my co-host John. John, how are you my friend? I'm pretty good. Good, good. <laughs> how about you? <laughs> I'm very good man, very good. Been been busy, uh, but it's good. Good busy. <laughs> watching, watching some new Gundam and got to play a little bit of Overwatch, so hopefully I can talk about that a bit later. But um, you, you, you're still going the ongoing adventures of Rocket in the John in the Reeves household. <laughs> yeah, um, we've kind of yeah. For those who don't remember or know, Rocket is our third cat being introduced into the household. Is mm-hmm. um, our oh, cat sighting <laughs> cat behind you? Um, <laughs> yeah. What was it? Um, yeah. So we've kind of. I don't know. Not much news there. We've sort of kind of slowed down his integration into the household. So kind of, um, yeah. So basically, kind of reset how he's interacting with Zoe and Ash. And now we are kind of just, I don't know. Take it very slowly. So it's basically where we were. We were at a few days, like two three weeks ago yeah <laughs> like a few days into them him actually being in the house so it's not not very different from last time we talked yeah so um but oh, fair enough. yeah otherwise <laughs> been playing yeah <laughs> i've been playing too many games i think i've just been playing bone razor minions which i don't think i mentioned last time no, <laughs> no okay um i basically it's like basically what are the same stuff i'd have to say about uh vampire survivors because the same game basically <laughs> kind of not quite but close and um yeah so i'll talk about some hellraiser and some manga and hey. yeah good couple of weeks oh, that's awesome man well why don't we kick into it by talking about uh what was on the site uh for the past couple of weeks uh the first uh the, the main article we had go up was ethan's review of splatoon 3 um Dude, uh, I, I I forgot Splatoon. Like, I feel like there was more fanfare around Splatoon two than Splatoon three, but maybe that's just me. <laughs> Probably, I think it's kind of natural because like two was kind of you know basically a relaunch of the franchise because the Wii U created you know as a hardware device. Like it didn't do you know like there was only so many people who played the first one. Yeah, uh, but like you know, have then suddenly all the people who bought the Switch could you know actually try it because yeah. they did not have Wii U. Yeah, and now like yeah. three, it's like it's kind of just a refresh of two, so it's yeah. just I, I don't know, like it kind of makes sense. Yeah, I think I mean, like it's up. Though it's also selling the best ever in Japan, so they love it. Yeah, <laughs> like it's selling well in general, but it's like in Japan, I think it's like at the top of the charts, like very securely. Which yeah. doesn't happen too often outside <laughs> of like Monsanto and stuff. Yeah, it's, like the know. the thing that's um the thing to I, I guess the thing that holds Splatoon back is also the thing that works in its favor. Uh, well, according to Ethan, is that it's more Splatoon. It's probably the best that Splatoon's ever been, um, but it's just not as novel or as exciting as it once was. 
So. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it's in like, it's like a pretty in depth review. Mm. I think. I think it's one of the longer reviews we've had yeah. on the site for a while. It says it's, so it's, like, it's worth read. going to read. Yeah. It's worth going, going to go read it if you're interested. Definitely. Like, I actually, yeah. Cause they like, I don't think the main points are kind of unsurprising based on other things I've heard and read about. Cause I actually have still only played like an hour of it. <laughs> I never came <laughs> back to it much. Uh, I still, even though I really should. Um, but it's like, it, yeah, it gets into some interesting points I hadn't heard yet. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, worth a read, I think. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Head over to doublejump.co right now and you can read his review uh, after this. But let's move on to the news for the week. First of all, We've got uh, kind of a like a trio of new announcements slash trailers. The first of which was the official teaser trailer for the Super Mario Brothers movie, which is uh, that that dropped. Uh, I don't know. That's a uh, <laughs> it, it was it was funny seeing all the discourse online. I it, it's it's uh, for for folks at home. Uh, it's a partnership between Nintendo and Illumination, which is the the 3D animation studio behind the Minions uh, and Despicable Me films. Um, it's starring. It's got like a, a, a quite a big cast, like um, you know Chris Pratt as Mario, Jack Black as Bowser, Charlie Day from probably from. Uh, I know him from the uh, Pacific Rim films, but I guess he's best known for It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> He's playing Toad. Yeah. Um, I, then, I thought he's playing Luigi. Oh no, he's playing Luigi. I forget who's playing Toad. Um, but uh, Anya Taylor Joy is playing um, Peach, Princess Peach, in this. Huh. Yeah. So the the trailer, like, it, <laughs> I I think I liked the trailer until the part where Mario came on screen. <laughs> what did you mm-hmm. think about it, man? I was pretty into it. Like, it's a much, like, it, I, I think it kind of makes a lot of sense with Nintendo's involvement that there would seem to be a little more. Well, I don't know. As I understand it, Illumination has like a lot of really talented animators, and yeah. like the films they create are very pretty. Like, yeah, I don't think I've seen any, maybe ever. I don't know, but it's like because they make a lot of movies for a like, you know, a large three D animation like production mm, house mm. so it's like they yeah so they make the minions films and that kind of universe of films and they've i think they make like the secret life of pets and stuff like that yes. i don't know they make a lot of like kids centric films basically yeah. so i was kind of surprised at how much the, the teaser didn't really feel directly aimed at children yeah so much which i was kind of like i found like i was i was like i was really into the first, like that scene they showed with bowser Mm-hmm. I, I like the like little penguin of Luigi being chased by skeletons or whatever it was. Yeah, it's been a second I saw it. <laughs> yeah, and it's like I because that's it reminded me of something. This is a bit of a tangent, but like I really I loved the way it depicted the world, yeah. like, like the Mushroom Kingdom, and it reminded me of this. Yeah, again, a tangent of how I always see like people really wanting Mario Kart to turn into Smash Kart, which I get oh, why yeah. people want that. But it's also like I, I like I find Mario like I don't really want it because I find the Mario Kingdom like setting and like backdrop so 
strong to me like i really enjoy that i don't like the idea of losing it or being watered down yeah. by adding a bunch of other franchises to it and it kind of reminded me of that it's like oh that's right i really love this setting and i don't really engage with that yeah like uh, fondness it's a very whimsical setting let's be honest yeah yeah it's, it's very vibrant and it's very yeah. it seems like particularly well um realized and that's that's what i like yeah. about the trailer is that like you can tell that like the colors are so vibrant and it plays off the different type of worlds that you know mario kind of goes through you know like, it's like oh, it's yeah. movies in general i think yeah. it, it felt kind of unique mm. in a way that i just wasn't thinking i was gonna see yeah I, what, what did you think about what did you think about the, the the premise of like mario it's like a stranger in a strange land like you know it seems like from what it looks like it's like mario comes from like our world and he's somehow transported into the mushroom kingdom through this like magical <laughs> pipe or whatever what did you think of that premise i i think it was somehow mentioned on one of the podcasts a while ago yeah <laughs> like one of ours because <laughs> i feel like i remember saying it and i don't remember if I, it was just some idea i read or it was actually a rumor attached but it's basically like an isekai which is like the anime genre where yeah you know real life people die and get thrown into like a video game world forever yep. and that's kind of you know it looks like that it's like, like that. and it's like not unexpected it's just Through an american lens <laughs> yeah and, and then very chris pratt's um, voiceover which is to remind people what he said in June. He described as unlike anything you've ever heard in the Mario world before, which is both, it, which is true, but it's pretty misleading because it's just Chris Pratt's voice. Like he's just talking. So it's seemingly, we'll see, I guess, but he's not doing an offensive Italian American accent or anything. So I guess that's okay. But <laughs> yeah. it's, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's not I, really I, doing I, anything that, remarkable either. I think that's the. Yeah, it's like it's just like oh, okay, they really just hired Chris Pratt to be the dude. Yeah, um, he's just being like like what he did in the Lego Movie. He's just playing Chris Pratt. Yeah, with a high pitched yeah. voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but otherwise, like it's yeah, I found it really impressive. I was like, I, was, I really enjoyed what I saw of it. So yeah, I'm curious to see if it actually t- turns out good. Did, would you have preferred if it was like voiced by like Charles Martinet, like the original voice actor, or do you think? That would be a full I guess. Like, I, I, like I've never, I don't think I've ever heard Martinet say a full sentence as Mario. Well, I so think I Mario <laughs> says a full sentence. I think that's the. That's true, actually. I, I can't think of a game where he actually does say a full sentence. Because mm, I think all the games where Mario has like dialogue is like always text based. Yeah. So I don't actually. Like, Mario, like the RPG series and, and stuff. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So it's like, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm not really. like I, I think I just wanted a voice actor. More than just an uh, like a real world actor who is just being used for his you know recognizability or yeah. or not even recognizability but like um, familiar white man voice that Chris <laughs> Pratt has. Um, like that you know that comfortable is a better yeah. way to say it not familiar or it's like um, that's I think that's kind of what Pratt's been hired to do more than actually having a particularly mm. you know. Notable. Being recognized for being a particularly strong actor or, or like voice actor that could, yeah, anyway. But uh, like yeah. in that sense, like if it really is sort of, you know, fish out of water, real person being thrown into Mario world, yeah, his voice makes enough sense. I'm not really against it so much, as much as I don't like Pratt as a person. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. I think that's my take on the Mario movie. Get in there, which is good. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have much else you noticed about it? Um, I think I was just like 
I think it looks beautiful. Um, oh, Toad is being played by Keegan Michael Key. That's that's why it sounds familiar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Um, uh, what was I going to say? No, it's, it's. I think it's going to be like. I'm actually. I think it'll be funny. I, I think it'll it'll actually be a lot of fun. Like, it. I think it'll be of like the caliber of like a Sonic the Hedgehog. But I think the Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> what a high bar. <laughs> But I guess it, it might have a it it might have a mm, like Sonic the Hedgehog. I think the difference there is I like I think the budget wasn't as high, and I think Sonic the Hedgehog was like there was pretty much like the video game character coming into our world versus the other way around. Um, so I, I think uh, like I I actually thought this was better than I gave it credit for. Um, mm. so I I think I sh- I should be less less harsh on it like. I mean, yes, I do wish Chris Pratt did more of a Mario voice, um, but you're right. I think translating to uh, like a like a full like a longer sentence, like full sentences and everything, might it might be a little bit offensive, especially because he's not Italian of Italian descent, you know. Yeah, I think it's just having a voice that would have been like more whimsical in suiting the world. Even though, like, obviously the story probably won't fit that, but it's yeah. um, I don't know. But it's like I'm actually, I'm, it's kind of nice to feel it's like, oh, okay, I'm excited for this now, which I wasn't originally, not really. Yeah, like I was curious to see how it turned out, but I wasn't expecting great things of it just because that studio is not really known for especially excellent films, as far as I know, because I don't really watch them. But that's their reputation. They make billions of dollars, though. That's what Nintendo. I guess that's yeah. Be the like it looks like they're game. putting like you know time and money into it in yeah. a way that they don't necessarily like. I, I mean, I don't think their films are like unpolished, but it does look like there's a lot more care to detail, mm. like care taken with the property because Nintendo's involved. Yeah. Whether you know, so I don't know. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. yeah, no, it'll be it'll be a lot of fun, and um, it's it's uh, slated to be released on uh, April twenty eighth in Japan and April seventh uh, in North America. We don't have an Australian release date just yet, but I'm sure it won't be too far away. I'm just trying to see. Is it? Aha, we oh no, we do have it here, March thirty. So we're going to get it first. Ah, oh, that's cool. what happened with uh, the Sonic the Hedgehog movies as well. I think we we, we got yeah, the premieres I- first. Kids' movies tend to get moved around for uh, holiday periods. Oh, uh, yeah, so it must be like public like holiday or something. I guess so. I'm not actually... I have no idea because it's always a surprise whenever holidays hit in Australia. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I was that's like, true. oh, the, there's kids around suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, well, well, that's good. We don't have too long to wait now. So um, hmm. uh, I'm just glad there's no, like, last-minute crunch for some horrible redesign or something. Which... Hopefully, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, true. that's true. Yeah, we'll see for the next teaser when someone hates something. <laughs> oh, everyone hates uh, something. I mean, well, speaking uh, of uh, speaking of des- uh, divisive, um, speaking of divisive, uh, like looks, Need for Speed Unbound. Yes, the announcement of the next Need for Speed game has finally arrived. It, it's kind of been leaked and rumored for a little while now, mm. like specifically of its visual style, which is very, um, yeah, I suppose divisive. It is very specific and unique in a way that will definitely not appeal to everyone. <laughs> so, Need Speed Unbound, it's being developed by Criterion Games this time, not the usual developer Ghost Games. Though, as I understand it, there's a lot of shared talent among yeah. those two teams because mm. Ghost Games was originally From, kind of yeah. 
branched off Criterion when they downsized what, some years ago. Yeah. Now it's, yeah, I'm kind of curious what that means, <laughs> like what those two teams look like nowadays. But um, Unbound is not going to have any last gen versions. So it will be releasing just for PS5, Xbox Series consoles, and PC. Which I think it's a good. few stores. Hopefully yeah. that means that it, it takes advantage of all the new tech. Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, in EA's announcement post, it kind of mentions all the new details associated with, or in Unbound, I guess. So first, new visual style. So the way it's been described, which is about right, is like blends street art with realistic looking cars. That kind of basically means that it's like cars look realistic, characters kind of have this sort of cell shaded like mm. i think like when it was rumored or leaked originally it was kind of described as anime like which is kind of appropriate like I, it definitely reminds me more of anime than most anything else yeah even though it doesn't look exactly like it i think it's just something about it i'm not sure and um and in gameplay there's kind of like all these street art style flourishes yep that are added to yeah just like added to a number of the mechanics as you like so drifting has this sort of cell shaded smoke yeah. effect and like boosting kind of sprouts these sort of wings or i think i think a lot of it's customizable as well yeah it's like it's like think of like playing it's like comic book aesthetics like all the comic book effects like the you know that you'd see in this it, like when you say cell shaded it really does feel like that comic aesthetic of like really bold colors really um bold lines and, and things like that to kind of highlight the action that's happening but then mm. the actual like the actual scenery and the actual cars are rendered realistically. So it's like a, it's yeah. a cool mix. I think it could be kind of compared to the Spider-Verse movie as well. It definitely I think has I've that seen, vibe, yeah. Yeah, which I'm not actually sure how to describe that look exactly. Um, but it's, um, it's, yeah, it's reminiscent, I believe. It, uh, definitely, like, like Spider-Verse definitely plays off the comic book aesthetic because it, it has, like, it does the things, it, it did things like... um. Like if you if you look, there's like an excellent article. Uh, there's an excellent YouTube video um, talking about how Spider Verse kind of changed the look of 3D animation, where everything kind of had that Pixar very realistic look until like that kind of came around and and it played with the medium. Like it had like like you know like the dot matrix from like the you know that when you see like comic book paper up up close, you see the dots of ink, and and it also had like yeah. things where it's misaligned. Like you'll see the blue and the red kind of off center off each other and like kind of playing off that aesthetic so mm. this kind of has that uh like it's got like kind of that mix of cell shaded comic book and like realistic it's 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 a cool vibe mm. um other details announced with um yeah announced with the announcement is that there's um a new mechanic called burst nitrous which is described as a new boost tactic that delivers a dizzying rush of speed this just sounds like a boost function, but the fact that it's mentioned makes me think that it might be something new. I don't yeah. know. Maybe it's like um, a outrunning... Ridge Racer type, like really over the top boost. <laughs> yeah, like I don't, I don't know. It's like them highlighting them. It's like, am I meant to think about this at all? Um, <laughs> but um, police are still kind of a feature in the game, like outrunning police as you navigate through an open world and just through races in general. So that's still a thing, Yeah, which I think is something some people because i think like the underground games that people really love and wish were kind of coming back that one those games didn't actually have police as a feature at all yeah so but i say you know nave spades had it for a, a long time now like you know both historically and currently 
Um, and there are quote hundreds of cosmetic items to choose from, and these can be shown off at meetups in game, which I'm not. I think I like. I'm not sure if they're multiplayer or not. I think it probably would have been announced in the blog posts, so probably not. So yeah. So but otherwise, either way, meetups are kind of like a thing in the game where you can show off your car, I suppose. Mm. Um, and lastly, I think it was announced that on Twitter separately, all the animated like effects like comic book style effects during gameplay can be adjusted i'm not sure if they could be turned off exactly i think at least be like down downplayed a lot than yeah. it looks like in the trailer so um yeah and yeah i think that's kind of all we know of unbound so far so it is set to launch on december 2nd at its year so a pretty quick turnaround from announcement to the release yeah Which i don't think see too often we... i think it's like um I think there's definitely been a gap in the arcade racing market for a while, and I think the last few Need for Speed games just haven't really done it for people. So mm. I'm hoping that this is like really good because we need that. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I hope, this does, yeah, this does look like a follow up to Need for Speed Heat, though. Yeah, which is the previous one. So, and it's like Heat uh, and on, which itself was like a follow up to like like a spiritual successor to underground it was like kind of channeling that night racing look yeah i saw like a, like i saw some like comments recently saying it's like it's like need for speed keep trying keep saying they're kind of doing underground again but it never <laughs> quite happens this is the closest like, yeah that is what happened because like you know like yeah. that need for speed 2015 like the light when the live action, live action yeah yeah it's like that one was also yeah that was definitely underground again you know yeah it's like a lot of it's like they just haven't really nailed that like that feeling like what people want from that mm. description yeah yeah so it's like they keep chasing after it so it'd be nice if they actually get close this time yeah because i think i don't think heat was meant to be bad but no i I, I, th I don't think it was bad i just think it was i think it was unremarkable i think that was the thing with it is that like yeah it was better than 2015 but it wasn't necessarily like blowing anyone's socks off in terms of gameplay or anything like that um mm. Yeah, because I played it for a little bit on the EA Play trial when I was playing something else. I don't remember why I got the EA Play trial. What what did the <laughs> EA release that had? <laughs> I don't remember anymore. Um, anyway, I tried. I did try Heat for a while, and I got bored of it pretty quick, which I think happens with racing games a lot nowadays for me, to be honest. But yeah, it, yeah like unremarkable is a good word for my experience with it. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and then we've got um, and then we've uh, got Wild Hearts. I've got an extended look at that. Yes, so we kind of mentioned the announcement last time we recorded. Mm -hmm. So this is Omega Force's new entry in the hunting genre being published by EA and you know, in partnership with Koei Tecmo because they own the studio Omega Force. And also Omega Force is known for making Musa games and they've also made um they've made the hunting genre before with Tukiden, which is kind of a Japanese also Japanese themed, like kind of in aesthetic except this one's got more of a natural mm. naturalistic sort of focus than took it ended which was more mythical so in the uh, yeah so we got a seven minute gameplay trailer which kind of shows yeah it basically shows like a small vertical slice of gameplay and like a, a lot of like raw looking gameplay without the ui which i guess is kind of um not true then <laughs> it's like a lot of it looks like pretty like you know it's not really glammed up so much yeah. So it kind of showcases the environments, showcases like core hunting gameplay, and kind of shows how 
players can kind of seemingly jump in and out of the game at will rather than having to, which I think is also true of Monster Hunter, except Monster Hunter is kind of finicky in how yeah. it does stuff like that. Um, yeah, so just kind of to reiterate as well, monsters are like nature-infused beasts that, quote, wield the power of nature to reshape their environment to suit their needs. So that's kind of compared to Monster Hunters having more of a like traditional ecosystem of like very big monsters that like, but are more reflective of like real world nature in some ways. Mm. Um, yeah, these ones are more just big animals that have been tainted almost by like nature itself, which has kind of got like a different aesthetic. Like it made it more of an impact on me personally than I expected it to. Yeah. I, um, I, and I don't know if it means like you'll feel less or more bad for killing them. <laughs> Yeah, no. I was thinking it's like like uh, I feel like every hunter game usually comes up, tries to find more reasons to feel less bad about what you're doing in the game. Yeah. Because like Monster Hunter, I think it's kind of it's it's not easy to feel bad, but you have good reason to feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> kind of because you're basically just culling a lot of things all the time, and it's like yeah, and it's yeah. Anyway, um, and it also highlights the kind of central feature of the game as like as a Monster Hunter like type of game called the Karakuri technology. This is like from what what we was shown off, it's basically a variety of summons, like object summons that you can use in game, which is like it kind of seems to flatten down and streamline a lot of monster hunter mechanics. So like the one as well as having its own kind of feature set as well. So you can kind of immediately summon um, like kind of short towers that you can run up and jump off to do aerial attacks. And that seems to be kind of one of the main ones. Um, and also these objects can be used with other players or by other players as well. So you can like summon one of those things and it'll hang around long enough that other players can also use it. Yeah. Um, it also seems to, so like compared to Monster Hunter, you can usually, you usually have to buy or craft a like big bomb like you can create you can make bombs in that game yeah. and like they do a lot of damage but yeah. they're kind of more preparation yeah like they reward you for preparing and like it's like a witcher spell um, yeah going bit. into a fight um, yeah so like most of is like based around preparing and over time that's kind of been softened but it's always been about like you will succeed if you think through what you're going to do over yeah. the next you know, before you actually venture out into mm. the actually starting a hunt yeah this one seems to be like yeah so one of the summons seems to be like a bomb which seems which to me seems like a replacement of the barrels in that game where like instead of having to craft repair something like a bomb in monster Hunter, you just have a summon that you can i think you kind of from what it was described i think you kind of collect kind of scrap mm. or like some sort of resource and you spend that on these kind of summons yeah uh, across a hunt which i think is like not a bad like I think I think that's a cool idea for a take on this genre. You can see it work pretty well. Yeah. Um otherwise I thought the gameplay was like I thought there was a lot of um I thought it sort of lacked feedback, a lot of the melee kind of mechanics themselves. But um mm. it's like it's promising. Like the physicality of it. Yeah. It's like it's like lots of like just slashing like you know, all these like empty slashing at this giant pig thing and nothing's really reacting like all that much and it just That's seems true. like it it seems very hack and slashy in a more diablo sense yeah rather than with... like a, a monster hunter where everything is like very like everything has impact yeah like you i mean it depends on which weapon you're using but like generally 
you're trying to think through your actions ahead of time so you don't get hit and also everything's very i don't know i, I won't bother going into that too far <laughs> but it, like it feels a little yeah it feels a little if shallow you know, you know. <laughs> moment <to> stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah did you have much thoughts on it yeah uh, I, I, th I think it looks I, I like the i like the visual style of it um my main and, and and I love the fact that you can kind of summon these kind of like contraptions and stuff. It's a it's a cool take on it. Um, I just I wonder I wonder what their I, I want to see their Palico facsimile. Is it? Yeah. It's like <laughs> I wonder what they're gonna do. Like maybe it'd be cool if you had like a little like like they've got a lot of like wooden contra. Like if we're going for like the steampunk, like uh, what if you had um like a little like a like a like a Mokujin from Tekken, like a little wooden kind of doll or statue that kind of follows you around and you can dress it up and everything. That would kind of be cool. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. yeah. I think most of them haven't used birds yet. Like, what if you had, like, like little, like... Bird. Yeah, that's cool. Chickens or dodos or something. Like, I'm trying to think of something <laughs> Fighting cute. Fighting chocobos. I feel like something flying would be less cute. But, like... Um, yeah, oh. something like that. Yeah, chocobos. Yeah. Please. Oh, oh Chocobo. wow. That would be cool. Oh, man. Um... Nah, dude, it looks like fun. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it um, how it how it pans out at the end. Hmm. Well, speaking of how things will pan out, let's talk about Starfield, which is the the next major release from Bethesda. Bethesda Softworks and Bethesda Game because there's no. Bethesda Game Studios is the developer. Bethesda Softworks is the publisher. I have to always get that. I have to remember that. There's, there's two two different entities. So, um, uh, it, basically, uh, Bethesda released a unlisted YouTube video, but obviously anything unlisted gets found. Um, in which uh, one of the uh, one of the community directors uh, by the name of Jeff Finster, um, I'm not say sat down. I actually more like stood up and spoke with uh, the game director Todd Howard. You know the, I don't know. He's like kind of maligned. I don't know, like he's like kind of like you hate him or you you love him type person, very divisive personality. Um, and essentially in the in the video we actually got uh, a look at the the new kind of dialogue system that Bethesda is trying for this for this release. So it, it's it's kind of harkens back to Oblivion in a way. Um, but the the cool thing about it is that the the actual dialogue when you are in conversation you're kind of sort of playing like a mini game um to to persuade the other person in in the direction you want the conversation to go um so it's like it, it, it it'll be interesting to see how it is in in practice but essentially um like you can you can kind of react to the emotion like to the way that the characters are emoting and 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 how should I should say like gamify the dialogue system. Usually like in like other games like Mass Effect, there's just like positive there's like kind of the the renegade, which is like the kind of the crazy option. The para I was saying Paragon, no. Is it one of Paragon. What? Sorry? Is that Paragon in Mass it Effect? It is, it is Paragon, yeah. Uh, the Paragon system for like the good choice and there's usually like an a new, uh, like a neutral choice in this one like you, you kind of have more um you kind of have more subtle options that can that and, the, and there's feedback to actually tell you where it's going to take the conversation and the 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 other thing is that the the other 
thing is the evolution of, I guess, like kind of the the leveling system in the game where unlike in a game like Skyrim where you basically got like a whole bunch, like you, you roll your character, you build your character and then as you use things, you kind of get better. Like if you swing a lot, you do a lot of sword fighting, you get better at sword fighting. If you do a lot of running, you build up your stamina just by doing things. So one of, one of the things is that there's a there's a system which they're calling the trait system where these traits are inherent to to your character but it's it's designed so that you can actually remove or add traits to your character as you progress in the game and different quests that you sorry that you can remove traits from your character based on the quests that you go on and what that'll let you do is that you can actually shape your character's personality or kind of like improve your character's kind of like base role without having to st- start a new character from scratch and then work out new stats. So it's like if you feel like you've you you've got certain advantages and then you're stuck with these disadvantage disadvantageous traits, you can do quests to kind of alleviate. Sort of like you know when when you kind of do some personal learning and growth, but like a gamified version of that. Now the caveat is that this is Bethesda we're talking about, so. Let's be honest, like, like you've got more than 250,000 pieces of dialogue. So there's a lot of dialogue. But I don't trust Bethesda with getting the systems right because Bethesda doesn't really have a very good track record when it comes to game development, let's be honest. (laughs) And it's not like it really... Like, they make buggy messes of games. Like, Like, you know, like... Morrowind had had bugs, had like a lot of weird physics kind of quirks and stuff. Oblivion had a lot of that as well. And a very like, I think Oblivion and Fallout 3 had a very like kind of very stilted animations and very like, how should I put it? It's like, it's like interacting with people on a, on a play set where it's like, you know, people are actually meant to be in that position for some reason they haven't moved there so as you're approaching kind of like their their block like their kind of their starting point they'll just like warp there or they'll just like run there and then they'll kind of like uh then quickly transition into the the state that they're meant to be in so it's like very weird and like kind of jarring seeing kind of like like seeing the the game logic trying to catch up (laughs) with with your actions which, the game um, started out okay otherwise usually. <laughs> yeah, except like Fallout 4 was really bad. Um and Fallout 76 was I mean, a train wreck. <laughs> I mean, even though noted horror and like sci-fi director John Carpenter really is addicted to it. Contrary to what he says, it it really didn't really didn't Apparently launch it's that good well. Nowadays. It's not it wasn't good initially. Apparently people people like it a lot now. Or at yeah. least like a lot more. Yeah. But, um I think it was like yeah, one of the uh, last games that you could probably get away with. Oh, I don't even think. I think it was like one of the first games in the post Ubisoft uh, style of we're going to launch it. It's going to be broken, but then we're going to fix it later. And you're going to love it eventually. I think it was like the first one where there was a lot more like public like outcry. Uh, maybe. I think they just thought what did what No Man's Sky did and just... M- improved it well enough that people were eventually happy with it to the point where it's like okay i don't care so much about the launch anymore <laughs> you've forgotten about um, it 
Yeah, yeah. I guess they'll still want their proper Hessian bag or whatever it was. <laughs> that never that never got sent out. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. I also I'll also say it's like I think my read of the dialogue stuff was that it was meant to be, it's gonna be like Skyrim, but the stuff with like charisma points has been changed around for this persuasion system and being more visible. Yeah. Like I think the idea is the persuasion stuff is meant to change. Like so you know originally, I don't know did it show it in the video? Yeah. It had like the... plus four, plus three, plus two. Oh, okay, I'll look at next to the different really options. Wrong, my impression, yeah, like my reading it, I was kind of, I got a different impression. Yeah, never mind then. I'll go do it later. <laughs> but it's, um, yeah, I thought I figured it was more like, okay, you don't need like 70 charisma stat mm. exactly. You can yeah. just, you know, there's a bit more flexibility in it. But either yeah. way, it does seem like that is true, regardless of what I'm <laughs> imagining currently. But, yeah. um, well, the, we, we, you know, we were meant to get our hands on Starfield next month, but it's been pushed back to, I think, still technically the first half of 2023. So we'll see in another six months, you know, how the game how the game actually shapes up. So fingers crossed it doesn't launch like a Bethesda game. It actually is free of that many bugs. bugs. Well, <laughs> I remember like the original fear from Bethesda was that it was, it was going to launch like Cyberpunk. Which is why they pushed it back. Yeah. So let's not. We don't want that. It's gonna like. <laughs> I think I want it to launch like Fallout Four or something. I think Fallout Four didn't do too bad, but you know, any uh-huh. of the other games. <laughs> uh, Fallout Four had its had a lot of bugs. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying. It's like I, I thought it was like slightly better than average. Oh, than yeah. The titles, maybe. <laughs> I mean, better than Cyberpunk, but I don't know if that's saying much. Uh, yeah. That's well, well, speaking of better than Cyberpunk. Um, Seems like another embattled company is Activision Blizzard, and Activision's uh, apparently going to be uh, skipping um, skipping Call of Duty next year for in terms of a mainline release. Now, this is a a newer leak from a Twitter user by the name of the Ghost of Hope. Um, uh, would be kind of hinting that like a greatest hits map pack from like uh like model fed two and other kind of fan favorites so to speak games is pretty much going to be the bulk of the content released next year and it's all going to be focused about kind of the live service aspect of the new modern warfare 2 that's being released later this month so instead of a apparently instead of a traditional full-blown call of duty sequel next year it's going to be more like a so put it like a like a like a, a year i think it's it, it, it sounds like it's going to be a year where where activision's going to go fully in to this live service aspect of call of duty uh, and give like a whole year without a sequel but focusing more on this year's release um if this is true and this is I guess following on from a report from Jason Schreier from earlier this year, I think it was in um, Feb, February, uh, that, oh, well, thank you, John, your notes say February, so <laughs> thanks for that. Yeah, what are you reading? <laughs> That's what I was, I was like reading, I was like, I was like trying to confuse, I was seeing multiple things and I'm just like confusing myself. <laughs> but if this is true, it would mean that for the first time in 18 years, Call of Duty hasn't had a mainline release. Um, and that, I think that's going back to like, it was Call of Duty, it's 2005, that would be Call of Duty 2. Oh, okay. 
because yes, that's 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 like the original Xbox 360 launch year. If that gives you any kind of um like context, <laughs> it is like that's like a crazy streak of like 17 years straight of like major like and like ever since 100%. like what was it like 2008 or nine or something when Modern Warfare One came out, it's like been like the biggest thing in the world. Yeah, oh seven like, was I mean, Modern Warfare One. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I mean, it stopped being the big, biggest thing in the world yeah. a little while ago. Yeah, but, it, but, you know, it's still massive. 2009, like... I think, 2009 when Modern Warfare 2 came out, that's when it kind of, like, went crazy. Yeah, that would have been the one I probably jumped on with as well. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> like, cause, yeah, so it's not, not really new news. There's not going to be an entry next year because I think we've, I think it's generally been like confirmed, but it's like, yeah, basically like having an idea of what they're doing next year, which is some campaign expansion, a bunch of maps. And I, I think like, I'm guessing it makes a lot of sense with Warzone getting rebooted as mm. well. So mm. it kind of gives space for that as well. So it's, um, maybe they're trying to avoid yeah. more studios union, unionizing internally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. We need to put the work here. <laughs> um, but it's, I think it was also like part of the report said the next, 2024s is going to be black ops related i think i hope um, not something like, like that i mean to be fair sam sam worthington is coming back in avatar 2 this year so maybe he, this is the resurgence in his career his video game career as well because he was the main character like alex mason in um in uh black ops one wait was he in the fourth one no, 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 okay. he wasn't. But I'm saying like maybe it's a career resurgence because I think he's in Avatar too. Yeah, he's back. So yeah, maybe he's... this is like you know a double <laughs> whammy we've been waiting for for like more than a decade. <laughs> yeah. Get Worthington's back. Get Black Ops back. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's um let's move on to the next group of stories, and these are just some of the other news that's come up over this past week. But one of them is a is a kind of like a major development. Tell us about what's happening with uh, the UK, I guess, like corporate watchdog and and the Microsoft Activision deal. Yes, um, yes, yeah, so there's been another, I guess, like step in the ongoing negotiations or whatever between Microsoft and UK as they intend to as they try to acquire Activision. Like, so you know, around the world, they're kind of what do you? What would you call it exactly? Like they're basically trying to settle with every government, major yeah. government on, in the world. Yeah, that, like, um, you know, Australia. Like, like remember some news came out of New Zealand, like Australia. Like it looks like every kind of like Western, any any like kind of major Western government organization that could push back and, you know, file like an anti-competitive lawsuit or something. I think. Yeah, or maybe it has something to do with it. the stock market. It could know. be that. I mean, I'm sure there's when you when you're buying a company for like almost sixty nine billion dollars, you're probably raising a few eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, but basically Microsoft need like most major governments to agree to this deal to make mm. sure it goes through. I'm not sure what happens otherwise, but that is what's happening right now. And UK's own group, the Competition and Markets Authority or the CMA, um, they have kind of stated that they're concerned the deal will harm playstation and other multi-game subscription services as mark they believe microsoft may be withholding activision blizzard content from them basically kind of 
doing like they're kind of repeating some of the stuff playstation have been complaining about um, <laughs> yeah complaining about um yeah so basically it comes that so they point out that um they're also they're concerned that microsoft may use activision blizzard content to outcompete rivals in um in the game streaming space so google Google's already out, so it doesn't really matter. But Amazon and Nvidia, and I guess PlayStation to an extent as well, but they're not quite as in on it as Amazon and Nvidia are. Yeah. Even though I think Amazon's probably going to die as well, actually, after Google. Um, <laughs> but I guess there's more space now, so we'll see. Um, and the CMA also points to the network effect of the console market. So this is where a console with a lot of um, lot of users attracts more content, which yeah. in turn attracts more users. So they're kind of, I guess they're trying to say that it's like this having um, control over the Activision Blizzard content and like platform basically is like that network effect is going to have like a, it's a, could be like a snowball effect where yeah. once it starts, it's just going to grow and grow and grow to a point that nothing can really stop it or affect it to the detriment of other game makers. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's kind of, yeah, they also think that um, Microsoft's having ownership over the Azure cloud gaming service, which is, I think, the biggest cloud server gaming service in the planet. Um, either sure. Like even Sony's either using... second or first behind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they're either they're kind of like either on the same level or beyond Amazon's, and there's yeah. not much else that even gets close. So um, I, yeah, I mean, so they're, they're I guess like also... I don't. I wonder how Valve, like Steam, because. Like Steam powered, I think is like their kind of server infrastructure. So I'm not sure how that kind of competes as well. Mm. Um, but it's, I, I think it's probably more of a um, industry kind of thing, yeah. like something they sell to others, maybe. But it's, um, anyway, CMA is kind of worried that Microsoft have a quote unparalleled advantage over other cloud streaming providers because they have this um, resource. Like, so just, you know, easily accessible, which is, you know, makes sense. Um, Microsoft have responded by saying that, um, quote, the suggestion that the incumbent market leader with clear and enduring market power could be foreclosed by the third largest provider as a result of losing access to one title is not credible. So market leader being PlayStation and that one title being Call of Duty, which is what a lot of this is rotated around. Um, Microsoft um, posited that if every single Call of Duty player on Sony's console could switch to Xbox, would switch to, switch to Xbox, mm. quote, PlayStation game base remaining would be significantly larger than Xbox. So there's no yeah. numbers there. They're just yeah. saying that they're just trying to downplay the idea that Call of Duty is that much of an institution within the gaming scene and within like the overall, you know, international player base. Yeah. That it could have that big an effect. But, you know, um, yeah, and they also talk about the level of content available on Sony's platform. And they also mentioned their number of acquisitions. So none of them are like even close to the scale of Activision or probably Bethesda outside of Bungie. Mm. Um, but even Bungie is like still just a single developer. But it's, um, yeah, the Microsoft point out that there were over 280 first and third party exclusive titles on PlayStation last year, which is nearly five times as many as Xbox, which... Yeah, it's actually quite a. I, I don't think actually, I yeah, realized well, that scale, Jesus. but I do think that's going to close pretty quick. That like it's not. I don't think it's going to get that close because PlayStation's still 
you know, do a lot of that regardless. But I do think that five times is going to be maybe like twice as many yeah. <laughs> after like in a couple of years, which is still massive, but not huge compared to how it is now. And Microsoft once again reiterated that they're going to, they plan on keeping Call of Duty on PlayStation consoles and stated that getting it away, moving it away from PlayStation and making it exclusive to Xbox and PC would, quote, alienate the fan base and tarnish both the Call of Duty and Xbox brands, which I actually found kind of an interesting mention. It's the idea that it would, I, I think it's just them trying to find more arguments in a way. Yeah. But I do think it's one of those things where it could, I could see a backlash in a way that, Microsoft wouldn't want Call of Duty to receive, but yeah. I also think that's one of those things where you can weather it pretty easily if you really want to go through with it. Yeah, because no one, and like, despite what Microsoft's saying, no one, like, no game series really comes all that close to Call of Duty, in, in like, at least in that space. Yeah, like, so it's, it's, yeah, um, it would probably be like, I think Grand Theft Auto would be like kind of like, or GTA Online specifically would be like the other juggernaut there besides like a something like Fortnite. But I personally don't see Microsoft like taking Call of Duty away from PlayStation for a long time anyway, given the fact that uh, probably until like maybe Call of Duty is less popular because it's still mm. like, you know, if Microsoft makes money every time like the the idea that Microsoft would make money every time a PlayStation game was sold, like the PlayStation versions of Call of Duty, like that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man. I guess they're already kind of doing that with Microsoft. Oh, Minecraft. I mean. Yeah. So it's, yeah, they do it in places already, you know. But it's like it's yeah. so in a way it's like and Minecraft is it's not like that small like either. Yeah. 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 So it's um. So we'll yeah, see. It'll be interesting. I think like yeah like. Do you have, like what's your take on it, Avia, overall? I, I I just think I don't think nothing I don't think much is gonna happen really there, but I I do but I I I don't see Call of Duty going exclusive, but I see Call of Duty going day one game pass. And that's yeah. gonna be the killer because Call of Duty games are notoriously never on sale. They don't go on discount. Even like old Call of Duty games don't really go on discount. So that could be like, you know, if that means like every year you don't have to fork out another 120 bucks or whatever it is for like Call of Duty, that could be like a, a big draw for, for Game Pass mm. subscribers. Yeah, it kind of undercuts the idea that of like PlayStation pushing an increased retail price. Exactly. It goes against it. Yeah, it's a different narrative. And also means like on... This will also... Like if you think about it, it'll get more people into the Game Pass ecosystem. And that may mean... Like and that... It's like that might get more people trying other games on Game Pass as well. Like there's... Like not everyone, but I'm sure there are going to be some people who, who try Game Pass... Like, oh, I've already got this for Call of Duty. Let me try something else. Or oh, the new Halo's there. Or oh, the new Forza's there. Oh, yeah, I'll try that. Or oh, the new Bethesda shooter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's always kind of the goal. Like, you know, like with Starfield and Halo, like that yeah. has to have the ripple effects regardless. That's like, yeah. I do think the idea that like them saying it's like, um, you know, trying to frame PlayStation as like such as Goliath when it, we're talking about Microsoft in yeah. the world, you know, like it's such a, like they're not wrong in the, like I think some of the statements they're making sound 
like I would agree with them. Yeah, but it's also just like, yeah, I can't really get yeah. myself to side with Microsoft of all companies. Yeah, like they they're just trying to say argument. like, oh look at look at Sony versus Xbox when it should be more Sony versus Microsoft. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's yeah. not. Like, I, I would like this acquisition to not go through still because yeah. it's never really a good thing, even though, I don't know, it's never going to stop. It's just going to keep going all over the place. Yeah, and, and there's but nothing like to... And there's no indication that Microsoft has any intention to change the culture there. So, like... Yeah, plus they could just be lying because that's how it works. It's like yeah. they have... Like, this is more about just... I, I As I understand, I'm pretty sure that, that is how it works with these kind of acquisitions where it's like they are trying to convince government um authorities that what they say is going to remain true but there's no actual um they're not like they don't have any duty to remain by it like it i don't think so i think the idea is that maybe there's they can get into some contractual obligation mm. as part of these things but i don't we'll I, I have no idea but it's um yeah. well yeah anyway. speaking of embattled companies and making big moves this uh, past week, CD Projekt Red uh, announced that it's working on a, f- a further six uh, new projects. Now, it already said that it had um, it already had like some other projects that he was working in the background, like a potential um, s- there's there was already like a Cyberpunk sequel and stuff kind of penciled in, but now we've got a new Witcher game, which is codenamed the series. Uh, which is codenamed Sirius, being developed by the Molasses Flood, a new Witcher trilogy. Um, so, instead of the the single game that was the single sequel, not sequel, sorry, the single reboot game that was announced, this is going to be an entirely new trilogy um, that is being developed by CD Projekt Red proper. Then we've got a new um, uh, Witcher game, which has been codenamed Canoris Majoris, which I think just like big big dog. I think that's what that means in Latin, um, which is being developed by a third-party studio. <laughs> I like that as a sub, like as a nickname <laughs> for Geralt, Big Dog. Um, or maybe Big Wolf. Maybe that. Maybe that's what that means. Yeah, that probably yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um, and also a new Cyberpunk 2077 game, which has been codenamed Orion, and that's being developed by CD Projekt Red's new Boston-based studio. Um, and also an entirely new in. Uh, intellectual property so a new new franchise which is being titled Hadar by CD Projekt Red so for context the Witcher games are licensed from by from the books by was Andre Sapkowski I think like his kind of Witcher fantasy novels and Cyberpunk is based off the Cyberpunk tabletop game from like the 80s so this is going to be an entirely new property which means no licensing costs, hopefully. The uh, as um as Ollie Welsh at Polygon kind of pointed out, the fact that this is going to be like a an extremely quote aggressive plan. This is a big departure for CD Projekt Red, which tends to kind of spend, you know, like almost half a decade on its on each major release. But this time, it's got like multiple projects going on at once. You know, like. Especially with a company that has been accused of crunch and not having the best work culture, and also not doing the best to handle volatile topics like trans representation and imagery, I don't know what it means if 
I'm worried that spreading themselves so thin will mean even less nuance in their games and more crunch, which mm-hmm. no one wants. Yeah, it's funny. It's like Rockstar have, as I understand it, have like successfully turned their company around, at least in, you know, they've made an effort like ever since all those reports about how just incredibly crunch heavy and life draining yeah that like working at rockstar was like they have as i understand it like they have turned it around into a far more like high morale just better run far less crunch than there there was before that's like you know and that's like and that's how cd project red kind of originally seemed to um operate where they kind of like they operate in the same way is what i mean it's like you know rockstar take like years at a time working on these big projects and then CD Projekt Red seem to be building themselves in a similar way where it's like okay we're gonna get have a big team working for a long time on a single release that will make us a lot of money all at once and then we'll work on the next one for a big chunk of time yeah where it's like Rockstar have seemingly scaled back a bit to kind of get a healthier work environment spend even more time on their projects that like to be fair make absurdly more than anything CD Project Red's gonna make. Yeah. So it maybe it's not a fair comparison. Yeah. But CD Project Red are like actually doing the opposite, seemingly. Doubling down. And just making the more like more and more than they ever have all yeah. at once. It's, it's um yeah. surprising. <laughs> yeah. Let's um No worried I'm worried. I think I think we're all kind of justifiably worried about what this means. But you know what we potentially wor- worried about is meta doing some acquisitions of its own mm. yeah so they've yeah it'll be a quick one i suppose uh meta like um previously called facebook i suppose i've got the <laughs> word for anyway um meta has acquired three new studios so this is armature studio they're the ones who made the vr version of resident evil 4 mm. as well as the recent game where the heart leads and a number of other titles um, camouflage, but instead of G U E, I think I'm, I'm spelling that right. Um, camouflage is like ends with a J. Um, they're the ones, the studio behind in Marvel's Iron Man VR and Republic. Republic yes, was the was, kind of MGS like, and it was it was um founded. I think it was Ryan Patton. I think is his name, who was one of the like lead developers at Kojima Productions during the Metal Gear Solid Three and Four era. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So also as not a kind of separately, Iron Man VR is also coming to MetaQuest next month. And so, which makes sense uh, when they own the studio. Ryan um, Payton. Sorry, not Patton. Ryan Payton. Sorry. Continue. Okay. <laughs> and um, they've also um, purchased Twisted Pixel. Mm. Um, they're the developer of the previously Microsoft developer of the more Explosion Man. <laughs> Um, the gun stringer so and yeah so they joined microsoft in 2011 oh no yeah after five years of being independent they joined in 2011 but then separated in 2015 to become independent again and since then they've been making vr titles for oculus yeah so it's kind of a natural fit that they'll join meta in this way yeah um and also kind of like looking it up it's like oh, okay that actually makes sense where it's like they've been working on kindle uh, not kindle <laughs> connect connect titles for a number of years and then they kind of left microsoft and started working on vr stuff and it's like oh that that's yeah, a pretty natural, natural. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
um, oh. but it's oh, yeah. So that's enough. that's in the current world of Meta beyond their Oculus. Uh, what's it called? Like the Quest Pro. They announced the yeah, other day. Yeah, Quest Pro. But, um, th- Quest Pro. Quest Pro Three. I don't know. It's like expensive. Oh, they've got the. They'll have Quest Three at some <laughs> oh, yeah, point. Quest Three. They got the Pro, which is two thousand Australian or whatever it's, it'll be. It's it's They're very expensive. Yeah, it's tech dad money really made for us. Yeah, it's made. It's for made for dads. like. It's made for men in suits who yeah. want to buy expensive things for their company. I'll put it this way: it's um, for it's made for people who send their kids to private school. That's, that's yeah, how that's I kind of like you know the one the dad has got the motorbike and you know like the game room with the billiards table and I don't know that's uh, maybe I'm just building up a stereotype in my head, but that's that's how I kind of um saw it. Yeah, <laughs> um, and yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> That's all the acquisition talk for this episode. Well, uh, let's um, that that's going to do it for the news for this past, I guess, week to fortnight. How about we move things over and have a little chit chat? John, you've been reading some Blue Lock, which, I, as I understand yes. it, is a manga about soccer. Yeah, it's um, I don't remember. Oh, that's right. Yeah, kind of. I stumbled upon it because it was nominated for and like a best manga award, so somewhat recently. And it's like, oh, I'll check it out. And then it's also happening. Like the man, um, the anime adaptation is also happening currently like it started with this new season of anime just by coincidence that's what (laughs) so that's also there if for anyone who's interested but uh blue lock is written by munayuki kanashiro and illustrated by yusuke namura um it's a it's basically squid games but soccer (laughs) like it's a death game i know um it's yeah it's like a death game take on soccer where it's like the premise is that japan like japan's like soccer association they've decided that they're going to take a very dramatic route with how they're going to try and build the future of the team by creating this sort of like prison environment for like the best like i think 16 year old like strikers specifically strikers um which is i don't know a ton about soccer but they're basically like sort of this relatively independent elite role yeah yeah and like the the idea is to um get 200 of them in one place and force them through like a squid game style trial until they so because if you if you like get expelled from it you can't join the national team that's the idea like so you can't join the like elitist like soccer tier in the Mm. world basically like that's what you yeah that's the um punishment for yeah. failing and like you don't have to do it but like everyone ends up joining it anyway yeah and the idea is to you know push everyone through the grind until the best possible player arrives at the end and it's like i really enjoyed it because it's like it feels like it's a subversion of what usual shonen sports are which it kind of actually discusses a little bit in the text of it which is that usual shonen sports drama series are usually about friendship and teaming up and like you know about like the power of teamwork and friendship and how everyone has their own role that complements others etc etc and that doesn't that comes up 
but it's also like a driving theme of the series is ego about yeah. like you know completely um fulfilling your own potential at the expense of others and like in the you know it's kind of confronting the idea of the elite athlete and how it can be so completely solitary in a okay. way that if you're a certain type of person is what you need to get to the level you can potentially get to like you need to have that sort of completely self-centered mindset yeah i, I mean i'm not sure if it necessarily endorses that like the comic itself but that's kind of what the that's um, what it's covering the story is about yeah okay. oh it's, i'm glad um, you're enjoying it man hopefully you like yeah. the uh, the anime adaptation as well i did watch the first episode okay it's like i was because i was wondering it's like there's a chance blue lock could kind of take the current spot that haikyuu is mm. um haikyuu is like the volleyball anime yeah. that is quite popular um but it's kind of it's being ended quite unceremoniously <laughs> like the anime itself because it's like instead of so they've got like i don't i haven't been keeping up with the anime specifically but i have read through the manga and they have like a big chunk of the story left but they're wrapping up the whole show with two films like two like um two like oh, in okay. theater and that's what they, that's all they're doing for yeah. whatever reason i don't know maybe they're gonna make a lot of money from it but they're not gonna like there's so much stuff left afterwards because huh. so, there's like anyway my point is that like blue lock because it ha even has a very similar style art style illustration style to haiku so i was wondering it's like oh this guy actually has the chance to take that spot in the current scene as far as i could tell anyway i don't like the art style that anime uses so i don't think so but it's like it's very cool well, there you go um but i i really enjoy the manga though so i just wanted to talk about that a little bit no so, fair enough yeah uh, fair enough well you you also um so you watched hellraiser which is i didn't realize it is a show is it a show or a it's movie? not it's, it's a movie it's a movie okay cool but it's um have, have you watched any of those no, but I know they're like kind of like cult classics, right? The first one is, as I understand it, like the 10 other ones afterwards are like all increasingly terrible, like really bad. Like my, I should go, like I should at least try watching another one of the old ones. But my impression of I, what I've heard of the old ones is that the first one's great and then drops off a cliff really hard and never gets even close to getting back up after oh, that point. Okay. <laughs> Which is like even by like even by like horror franchise standards, you know, like Friday Thirteenth or something. It's like even by those standards, it's pretty bad, which is remarkable to me. But it's um, anyway, this new one is directed by David Bruckner. He's the one who directed The Ritual and The Night House. They're both horror films as well, made in the last few years. I um, mean, that is kind of a very like natural style with the and like and The Ritual. I've only seen The Ritual, but it's a very um. Actually, not sure how to describe it, but it has a very like grounded, ethereal look to how he shoots films, gotcha. and like it's very, it's very fitting for something like Hellraiser, if you know the premise, because it's basically about it's about people kind of stumbling into this, into contact with this artifact that is kind of connection to, like I guess like the gatekeepers of hell in a way. Going mm. into it more is sort of spoiling okay. spoiling stuff i think it seems like you're you're summoning another dimension like the dimension of hell kind of there's yeah. a there's a bit going into it but it's like one thing i really liked about the original was just how much of information you don't have on how it works 
Yep. And there's a really good core story and like character drama about all these people who are like have all these conflicted feelings and motivations in terms of like how they interact with their desires. You know, yeah. it's like that's like yeah, that's basically what it amounts to. So it's a very like grounded story, but it's kind of it's mixed up with this supernatural horror and it works really well. And how much you don't know about like it's it really gets you thinking about how all the like supernatural stuff works and functions but it never really answers much of anything and it's very it's very evocative and effective makes you think the new one is like yeah yeah um the new one is like it also it was it's far more informative yeah in a way i was quite disappointed by but i think is also i'm guessing the old movies filled in a lot of gaps over time in how yeah. a lot of that stuff works so i was thinking it's like oh it probably makes sense that they couldn't be really cryptic about it because but i feel like sometimes it's better when it isn't like when it doesn't say and i think like a lot of modern films have that problem it's like it's like tell don't show whereas older movies yeah, are like exactly. show don't tell definitely yeah like that's kind of what it they like it always almost reminded me of like a sci-fi film whereas like a lot of sci-fi films are like a lot of the enjoyment for people is like learning about the world and learning about how stuff works within it and that could be just that's like a lot of the satisfaction you get from it beyond the story is just like um yeah it's just like like learning and knowledge yeah. of this sci-fi setting and hellraiser feels like that or it's like it's got a good, it's got a solid core story but it feels like it's telling you so much about how it all works like yeah. that, that was my impression of it where it's like uh, like yeah. getting away from what it's good at i feel like um a lot of newer movies treat audiences like they're dumb and like they have to have something spoon-fed to them whereas older movies especially horror films is just like they just left you to kind of fill in the gaps and and ruminate <laughs> yeah but it's funny it's like the ritual kind of has a similar deal except that one's far more cryptic and doesn't fill in too many gaps at all like it does a little bit but just enough for the story to make sense yeah where like that was like that's kind of why I was excited for it. I was like, oh, that actually makes a lot of sense that this guy's going to go from that to this, and I was kind of disappointed how much. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, fair it's, enough. Um, good, yeah. but not quite what I personally wanted. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. leave it at that. Oh, fair enough. And you've also been playing some. Uh, you mentioned that at the top of the show a lot of Bone Razor Minions, which I I love the name. I love the name. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> Yeah, I think I've been talking enough already, but I'll get into it quick. It's basically like another take on the vampire survivors genre. So it's like you don't really actively shoot anything. You're kind of collecting stuff. You're surviving against waves of enemies and you're collecting items and like weapons. But the weapons here are like minions that you summon around you. So instead of having individual weapons that you are like centered on you, you have just all these little skeleton things and other fleshy zombies and all that stuff that gather around you and you're trying to navigate around them as they shoot or like take down all their enemies rushing towards you. Yeah. So it's, it's basically just vampire survivors again, just more like lo-fi and um, cute. And Even more lo-fi. <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> Fair yeah. Enough. So it's like, it's, um yeah, it's its own thing, but it's, um I think I've kind of done with it to be honest, but it's like, it's in early access. So it's getting updates pretty often. So yeah, because we'll like, like, I'm trying to like Vampire Survivors based on another game that was like, um, like a based on a mobile game. Is it Vamp? Was it 
Uh, Vampire Survivor is based on. I was trying to figure out what. The, uh, Magic Survival. That's right. Magic Survival oh. is the original mobile game that kind of spawned this. Um, spawned Vampire Survivors, and then this is like kind of like its own riff on that. So it's like a weird. Um, yeah, it's like a weird kind of take on it. Um, but uh, Magic Survival is on it kinda, iOS. It kind of reminds yeah. me of um, Auto Chess. Yeah. Uh, that one just kind of started from one place and then like <laughs> yeah. sprouted a bunch of um, yeah. Yeah. clones. Yeah. So maybe I'll try, um, yeah, maybe I'll try uh, Magic Survival and then we'll come full circle. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I've been what, playing Overwatch. Well, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I have been. I, I realistically only got to play like a, like a few hours uh, one day because it's just nah. number one if you could even get into the game or number two it's just been so busy like just trying to fit everything in it's been pretty pretty tough but um no it's it's been a lot of like it was a lot of fun um like you just kind of it's kind of like those things where it just kind of you you fall back into the rhythm very quickly and the the biggest change like there's a huge gameplay change here where instead of having 6v6 it's 5v5 so you still have two support characters so your healers your buff character you know, kind of like your your buffing characters and you still have two dps so still two kind of damage heavy characters but then instead of having two tanks which are kind of like the they're kind of like the the meat shields of the team so instead of having two of those you only have one so it means that, you know, you have to be a lot more aware of, you know, the, the like tanks have a more important role to play because they need to make sure that they're there to protect the the weaker characters, usually the support, the support characters um, who, like, you know, have, like, the lowest HP but can do the most kind of, can provide the most benefit to the team in terms of, like, keeping them alive. And so, like... I I found that it's been a lot of fun so far. Like um, I haven't really the 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 one new character that I think I got to play was um Kiriko, but I didn't didn't really get to play her much. Essentially, it it, it comes across as like she was meant to be like a damage heavy character, and then they realized we haven't done a support character in a while, so let's just put in like some healing things in there. But we'll keep all the like she throws like those like like da- like kunai I think like daggers. And and then she's got like a healing thing, so she's she can walk on walls and like she can summon a fox, a sp- like that's like her spirit animal. As like, yeah, it's 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 like a weird kind of imagine like sort of like Genji but a healer, and and Genji was kind of like the the ninja character in it. So um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it pans out. Like I haven't had enough, I haven't played enough to kind of complain about the the free-to-play aspect of the game because because I had because I owned the original game all the original characters were unlocked for me as well as competitive mode as well as Kiriko like the new character like I was able to play her because I was I think it was like a bonus for like people who've played before so I didn't have to I didn't feel like as much of the pinch and yes the the different um tiers of the battle pass do seem like they're very slow and like the free rewards are like every kind of every second or third kind of like unlock. Whereas something like Destiny where there's like two parallel um uh like kind of battle passes, a free one and a premium one. Whereas this one's got like the I think it's sort of like Apex Legends where it's just got like the one battle pass and you can see what you're missing out on. 
and it's like mm. I, I guess like if you just looked at the free stuff it probably isn't that 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 good but if i do um enjoy it more i'll probably just end up buying like kind of what is it like the watch point pack which is like the equivalent of like you buying the original game so you you get like one of the season passes and you basically get enough credit to buy the next season pass and like you unlock the new characters and you get like a whole bunch of exotics so i'll, I'll see if i invest that because um because later this month battlefield 2042 is getting its um like first kind of like event like in-game event and i played that a couple of weeks ago and that was like surprisingly fun after the recent update so like you know halo isn't doing it for me destiny's not doing it for me so if like it'll be like between overwatch and battlefield until like what is like hyenas and the finals kind of until we until they go into like open beta or whatever in the in the, in the coming months so We'll see. We'll see what uh what happens. Mm. You should check out some of those like indie battlefield style games. Because there was like, one yeah. that's like voxel based that looks really fun. Oh, okay. another one. That's, I'll check. Like, I'll check World them out. War Three, I think, is battlefield. Yeah, well, like, that's the thing. Like World War Three, I've been following that game for years now, and it's now gone free to play. So, I'll, I want to download it and actually see if that may be like a really good kind of contender. Because yeah. I think that one's just battlefield four again. Is my which is <laughs> fine with me <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah um we'll see uh, i'm excited uh, i'm excited for that what i did want to ask though is that like john you watched the prologue episode of mobile suit gundam the witch from mercury i just wanted to ask what did you think about it i liked it i don't think like i think i had high expectations that i will admit because i saw a lot of people really liking it aside yeah. from yourself you really liked it yeah um but it's like i was i don't know i was like it definitely sets a tone where it's like oh, okay this is gonna hurt a lot to watch yeah if this is the first one um uh, which i'm guessing is kind of because it kind of um the premise sort of takes a turn from what i expected a lot happens in that one episode <laughs> yeah no I, I yeah like after the after the prologue there's like a lot there's a big change in yeah. tone and setting yeah it's a big time skip and it's it's like very jarring but yeah i'm start like i'm in episode two and it's starting to like those kind of political machination machinations and stuff that are being kind of that are front and center in in the prologue they're starting to be developed now um, oh, okay yeah but it's it's only two episodes in so there's there's not much there but I, i'm just very happy that you liked the prologue like that you enjoyed it even though you didn't kind of meet the I think the hype that a lot of us Gundam fans were kind of heaping on it. <laughs> I think we were just oh, okay. starved because we haven't had a new Gundam show in like six years or something. So it's mm. it's, it's like there's like a ton of anime starting right now. Yeah, it's like yeah, the, I think I saw the dog showed up in Spy Cross Family. Yeah, so Spy so Cross <laughs> Family, the second part of the season started. So that's that's on my watch list, episode thirteen, fourteen. Uh, and yeah, yes, and I think this is out as well. Yeah, there's an episode one of that, right? Um, Mm. Oh, man, I, I re-upped Crunchyroll Premium because that's the only way I can get those simul, simultaneous. So, yeah, uh, the price is increasing this week too. This yeah, month it's too. already increased. Yeah, so maybe we can share oh, yeah. one. Maybe that'll be the way we can kind of justify it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll work. yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Um, but well, yeah. yeah, that that yeah, but you got to be like a mega fan. You can't just be like the normal premium. You have to be the, the like the top top one. Oh, you're on that. Yeah, okay. you have to get that one for offline viewing and stuff like. Like if you want to watch it on the train or whatever, but 
I'll see. Maybe I'll just go back down to the medium one because, like, I don't know. Like, I'm on a new mobile plan where I have data again, so maybe I don't really need to worry about it. But there's just something about, you know, just just having episodes just saved and not having to worry. Just like, it's just Mm. instant. Um, But, you know, first world problems and all that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I need to watch anime on the train. Yes. Yes. How how will I make it through? But yeah, nah. (laughs) That that's um that's good that's gonna do it for for this week's um for this week's show. Thank you so much everyone uh for watching along and for everyone who's um been listening to the to the recording. Um always 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 a pleasure, uh like kind of getting to talk about what's been going on. Um and I'm really hoping maybe next week by by next week we'll um we'll get to talk more about some of the anime we've been watching. Because um, yeah, did you ever end up watching Cyberpunk? I don't know if you did. No, I didn't. Okay. Um, I, I, like I still kind of plan on watching it, but yeah. I, I still have a pretty sour taste in my mouth about <laughs> Cyberpunk, so it's kind of yeah. stopped me a lot. Maybe we'll watch. Also, on, oh yeah, that yeah. I've also been watching that Dragon Quest, uh, Dragon Quest anime still. <laughs> so I've kind of like what what's happened is that like I'm almost I'm really close to the end. I'm like seven episodes off being current, very close. Oh, okay, that's and that's close. like up to episode like ninety two. So oh, now I'm kind dangerous. of burnt out a little bit on anime in general. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I need to cool it. A maybe, bit. maybe, yeah, maybe we have to wait on the Chainsaw Man discussion. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, if you watch it. I'll definitely. Yeah, I'll I'll watch it at some point. I've yeah. heard good things about it. Um, yeah, I so think yeah. the intro video has been all over Twitter last couple of days. You need a good intro. It's like it's all these film in, in um, film inspirations. Yeah. Because that's eh, anyway. <laughs> uh, well. That's going to do it for another episode of Double Jump Radio. As always, you can head over to doublejump.co to read all of our awesome content um, and find links to all of our social pages. Um, And you can go to doublejump.co slash memberships to find out how you can support Double Jump by becoming a member or Patreon supporter today. But yes, John, it's been been a lot of fun again. Um, Hopefully we can record next week and not have a gap again. But yeah. Until next time, everyone, look out for one another. Peace. See ya.